0: This changes everything. Hey, yep, over here. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Happy Easter. Surprise. Uh, I thought on an Easter morning, which is the biggest surprise ever in history, I would surprise you a little bit. And uh, those of you that are here normally know that uh, your pastor doesn't normally preach from the aisle. But today I'm going to for a little bit. Surprise. It's Easter. Uh, We're here. The biggest event in history, the biggest surprise in history. Jesus Christ is alive. He is not dead. Death has been defeated. And that's why we're starting things a little bit differently today, because Easter changes everything, even where the pastor preaches from. So you're going to have to pay attention if I walk past you uh, this morning. It changes everything. Easter is a huge surprise and the biggest surprise of all time. Jesus comes back from the dead. That is not normal, everyday news. That is something worth paying attention to today. And that's what the Apostle Paul echoes when he speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to put the words of that verse up here on the screen. And with your, I'm wide awake, it's Easter, I'm pumped to be here, Easter voices, let's read that together nice and loud. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. I love how Paul puts this. He says, of first importance, not when you get around to it, not there's other things in your life that are priorities, not when you're not so busy, when you're in a different season of life, but as a first importance, as in Paul is saying, this is the most important thing you could ever hear, and that is not an overstatement. Paul, at this time, doesn't know how much time he has left. He has been beaten, he has been flogged, he has been imprisoned more times than he realizes, than he probably remembers. And yet he is saying, if I had one last letter to write, or honestly, I was thinking about it this week, for me, if I had one last sermon to give, what would my message be? What do I want you to hear more than anything else. And you're going to hear that in a lot of different ways this morning. You're going to hear it from me. You're going to see things up on the screen. Some of you have already caught the attention of uh, Eric Williams, one of our many talented artists uh, at Hope over there. And this is something you've never seen, giant sermon notes. Some of you are note takers. And so Eric is just drawing up there what he hears and what God has placed on his heart this morning. And so, this is your pastor giving you permission to not pay attention to my voice for a while. Uh, And if you're looking up there and following along as Eric follows along as well. As a first importance, if there's nothing else, I want you to hear this today. The message of Easter is very simple. The message of Easter is very clear. There is a God who loves you more than you will ever know. And that love is stronger, and that love is more powerful than any other force in the universe. There is a reason that you've heard this verse so many times. It's on television, it's in culture, it's in the movies. It's painted on some guy's chest at a football game. John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. That he gave you his son as a gift, as a free gift, the offer of Easter is the free gift, the offering of salvation. And this is a free gift. And because it's free, you can't earn it. You can't earn something that's free. You can't earn something that's already being offered to you. He's freely giving it to you. And God's salvation and this salvation through Jesus Christ and eternal life is not something we can earn by being good enough. You don't get to heaven by being good enough by being a really nice person. It's not something you can earn by being moral enough or religious enough or spiritual enough or how many times you come to church a year or how often you pray or how often you read your Bible. Those things are all byproducts. Those are the result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But a relationship with Jesus is free. And that's what he is offering to you this morning. For God so loved you. And if you would quiet your heart... And if you would slow down and if you would look past all the Easter eggs and the chocolate and the Easter bunny and the Easter dinner you might have and all the trappings of this season, peel it all away, you will find there a risen Savior that loves you with an everlasting love that when the world lets you down, he will never let you down. And you might just experience that same love that those two women experienced at the tomb that first Easter morning. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to follow along this morning as we read this story from Matthew chapter 28. You can turn there with me. Matthew chapter 28. As we arrive on the scene, it's something like we have up here this morning. We've got this giant tomb up here in our garden tomb with all of our Flowers, and because Easter was so early, half of our Easter lilies didn't open yet. And I learned something: you can't pry open an Easter lily and have it bloom. God's got to do that, I guess. You can't prematurely open it up, I guess. But we've got a few that are opened up here, and we've got our tomb, which is ginormous. And if you look in there, it looks like it goes back a long ways. And so, some kids last night at our service and early this morning, three or four kids walked in there, and I never saw them coming out. So they're probably still in there somewhere. So, some point they'll pop out, maybe with Jesus. Who knows? But it was something like this this morning as the two women walked to the tomb and we pick up the story like this. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Let's just pause there for a second because we get so far ahead in the story. If you haven't picked up a Bible in a while, that's totally fine. Today is a great day to start. But if you pick up the story right here you might be a little confused like you're missing something, like you walked into a movie 30 minutes late. You know the feeling? The last time we saw Jesus was not rising from the dead. The last time we saw Jesus was, to be honest, hanging, beaten, bloodied, battered, bruised, and dead on an old Roman cross. Dead as dead can be. Like, humanly dead. Physically dead. Death is normally the end of the story. So they bring him and they place him in this garden tomb, wrapped in linens and all the fragrances to keep his body for a while. And there he is and a giant stone is rolled in front of the tomb. Nothing is really expecting to happen in a graveyard. It's death. It's final. It's the end. That's what they are expecting. So you have to imagine that for followers of Jesus... They have experienced what might be the lowest of lows on that cross at Calvary. You think about it, this man that they were expecting to be their savior, to be their Messiah, to be the chosen one, is dead on a cross and now laying dead in a tomb. End of story. This has to be the lowest of lows and yet they have no idea the highest of highs that they're about to be in for. I was thinking about that this week, and we weren't there two thousand years ago. It might be hard to understand the the ups and downs and the roller coaster emotional ride that they went on. I was thinking, what would be an example to where we could understand the highest of highs and the lowest of lows? And I don't know. Are there any you and I basketball fans in the house today? Okay, a few of you. All right, awesome. So. Last weekend, well, last, you know, Thursday, Friday, with the first rounds of the NCAA tournament, I like basketball a little bit. So I've been watching a few of these games on TV, particularly following our three Iowa teams. How cool is that? They were all in the tournament this year, particularly you and I. So the game's coming down to the wire against Texas. It's their first round game. They are so, they're playing so well. The game is tied. Texas ties it up and there's 2.7 seconds left Well, should we just watch it just for fun? Let's watch it one more time, and here's what happened. I just can't get enough of it. Do you want to watch it again? I've watched it. No, let's not. I'm just kidding. I've watched that literally like 50 times in the last week, just to remind myself of what happened. Just incredible. You heard the commentator say, the shot of the tournament, like the shot of all time if you're a UNI basketball, if you're an Iowa fan, if you are an Iowa resident, how can you not get excited about that? Cedar Falls, Iowa on national TV is is the headline story for days until Sunday night (laughs) and their next game against the other Texas team, Texas A&M and it's going down to the wire and they're stretching out the lead and they... They're up by like 12 with 37 seconds to go by all basketball knowledge. The game is over. The commentators are congratulating you and I. There are people tweeting out congratulations to the Panthers. Parents of the players have left the building. The game is over and then they throw the ball out of bounds, and then they throw the ball out of bounds again, and then they miss a shot, and then Texas A&M makes two threes, and then they steal the ball again, and they miss another shot, and then they throw it out of bounds, and all of a sudden the game is tied. It goes into overtime, and they lose. For those of you that aren't basketball fans, to put it in context for you, basketball analysts that do this for a job call this the greatest collapse in college basketball history Ever ever, we go from the highest of highs, half-court shot, buzzer beater, to the lowest of lows. Flip that, that's Easter, okay? The lowest of lows, Jesus hanging on a cross to the highest of highs as we pick up the story, we continue along. We pick it up. The angel said to the woman. So there they are at the tomb. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. And if those three words ever get old for you, check your pulse. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Can you imagine that feeling of hearing that for the very first time? You have just buried your best friend and now the giant stone has been broken and shattered into pieces and he's not there. The angel says he's alive. You have to understand the women came to the tomb that morning expecting death. Not expecting joy, not expecting life in any way, shape, or form. And I have to ask you this morning, not as you come to the tomb, but as you come here to a church on Easter, what did you come expecting to find? What are you here for? I know we come to Easter for a lot of different reasons. Some of you are here because it's a good family tradition, because that's what we do on Easter. We get all dressed up and we go to church. And we go home and we have dinner. It's just a part of the routine. Some of you are here because you want to bring your kids to church. And it's a really good moral thing to bring your kids to church and get them started on the right path. And so you're just here in support of them. Some of you are here because you are drug against your will. I can feel you. I am a pastor's kid and that happened many years. I get it. What are you expecting to find? And the danger is, just like the women that came to the tomb, you and I come expecting not much from this whole Jesus thing. Not much from this whole church thing. You, you say, well, it's, it's a tradition, John, and, and I'm here, but you know, we all know that uh, it's 2016, life is busy, there's a lot of things to do with the kids, I got other priorities and, and commitments, I can't make this like an every week And, you know, beyond that, some of you are saying something like this. Jesus is just too polarizing. You don't want to mention his name, and it gets mentioned in the news. It just gets political, and I don't want to do anything with political. And some of you are saying, I was a part of a church once, and I got burned. I was a part of a church once, and I got judged. I was a part of a church once, and they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. And so I don't want anything to do with this Jesus thing. I don't want anything to do with this church thing. And some of you are saying... I tried it. I tried it when I was little and I grew up and, you know, maybe this is your first time back in a long time. And you're saying, the only thing I remember about church is that it was boring. It was absolutely boring and it was irrelevant and had nothing to do with my real life. Like, tomorrow morning, what does Jesus have to do with tomorrow morning? And I am really excited to tell you everything. But first I want to tell you, if any of those things has been your experience with the church of Jesus Christ, I am so sorry. It should never be that way. And I believe this down in the deepest part of my heart, 110%, that it is a shame to bore people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If people are bored with it, then we are not proclaiming it correctly. Jesus Christ, this man, lived and died and rose again and is offering you salvation for eternity so that you have nothing to fear for the rest of your life. That is worth everything, not an hour once a year. That is worth everything. It changes everything. And would you open up your heart to that today? Jesus is saying, come home. Let's start again. Let's start fresh. That's the series that you heard we're starting next week. Come back and start fresh with church. Give Jesus another chance. He's alive. He came back, and he came back for you. The grave is empty. Regardless of what your experience has been, strip it all away today. All the negative, all the bad experiences in the past, about church and spirituality and I'm not really a religious person or anything like that, you cannot argue with the fact that there was a man named Jesus Christ who predicted his own death and also predicted that three days later he would ruin his own funeral and then he went and did it. Regardless of what you believe, if you are a Christian, whether you understand that or not or what you think about this Jesus guy, that is worth paying attention to. That is worth stopping and going, whoa, This Easter thing is way bigger than I thought. This is worth paying attention to. And so you think about those events. It's either going to change everything or it's going to change nothing. Just like these events, these people that have happened throughout the course of history that change everything. Think about these moments in history. Martin Luther King saying, I have a dream in front of all those people. That changed everything. The day that Pearl Harbor was bombed, FDR comes on the radio. United States has been deliberately attacked. You remember these things. You've heard them so many times. How about the man walking on the moon? How about two towers in New York getting hit with planes? Our nation was never the same. And some of you are saying, yeah, that's great, Pastor John, but we're kind of removed from that. You know, we're here in Iowa and everything, and those are national, even international events. Okay, well, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's think about your life. How many of you remember when you got your driver's license for the first time, right? Or maybe a learner's permit or whatever they call it now, right? You, you could go anywhere and do anything. How about your first car? You put those things together and everything changes. You're not tied down to the house anymore. You can go out with your friends and do whatever you want, and then... Everything changes again, and you go to college, and there's no curfew, and you can go to Perkins at one o'clock in the morning with your friends, and you can do wild and crazy things because your parents aren't there watching you. You have all this freedom and independence. Everything changes. Okay, let's skip ahead a couple years. Gentlemen, particularly husbands, do you remember that moment in the church or wherever it was that you got married and you are watching your bride come down the aisle for the very first time. I remember that moment for myself and I can tell you, I had no idea what was about to change. Everything, I have joked before that Tiffany has ruined my life for the better. Things are never the same, no more party pizzas at 11 o'clock at night, living the bachelor life for me. Women change everything for the better. Gentlemen, amen? Amen? Amen. Get some points there. Just nudge (laughs) it. And then you skip ahead a couple years, and for some of you, you remember that moment when everything changed in the hospital room. And for me, it was when the doctor placed that seven pound, 12 ounce little bundle of joy into my arms for the first time. And he said, What's his name? And I said, it's Caleb Lee Ananson. And he sounded exactly like that. I had no idea that everything was about to change. I mean everything. And within 24 hours in the hospital, not getting any sleep, I knew my life is no longer my own, right? Parents, can I get an amen? amen? And we have since learned, my wife and I, that we will probably not sleep for the next 20 years. That's just the way it is, Right? that's what it, you're always a parent. You you cannot say I'm not a, once you're a parent you're always a parent. Everything changes. And we think about those mountaintop experiences in life, but for some of you the moments that have changed everything is that phone call. From the same person that you met at the altar that day saying I'm done. It's that phone call that you get from the hospital with a diagnosis that you feared the most that changes everything. You lose your job. Whatever it is, it's not just in the mountaintops, it's in the valleys that change us as well. And that's where most of life is lived. These things change everything. Regardless of whether it's a positive or a negative, these moments do not leave us the same, and that's what I am trying to tell you this morning about Easter. It changes everything, not just from a physical human standpoint and maybe the 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this earth. I'm talking about eternity, and eternity is a really long time. It's like forever. And this time we have on this earth is a snap. It is a blip on the radar. It is a poof, and it's gone. And we think these things are so monumental. I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about an empty grave. I'm talking about forever. Do you have that hope for forever today? It changes everything. One thing we cannot deny, whether you agree with this whole Jesus thing and everything that he teaches, whether you think this church thing is important or not, there is one thing that you and I cannot deny, and that is the reality of death. Just like the women that first Easter morning, you and I are forced, at some point in our lives, whether you want to or not, reality is we're forced to stare into that grave and stare into the face of death. That is a reality that comes for us all. Like I said, 70, 80, maybe 90 years. It is real. And there has never been anybody that has been able to overcome that. Just one. And he's the one we're singing about this morning. He's the one that came walking out of his grave. Nobody else has ever done that. Nobody else can claim that they have defeated death. So what do we do with that? And some of you are sitting here this morning, well, this is religion stuff. It's great for Easter, but doesn't matter how wealthy you are doesn't matter your titles your positions your accolades how important you are at work the size of your bank account the size of your house even your indifference today even your apathy some of you are sitting this morning going great preacher preach it i'm going to go keep living the way i'm living and that's your choice but the reality is that death is comes for us all and unless there is something stronger than that that is the end of the story. Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death. The price, the penalty of our sin is death and that would be the end of the story. Unless there was something or someone stronger than death. And that is the reality and reminds me of the story of a young man named Charlie I never met, had the opportunity to meet Charlie in person. The first I heard of Charlie was two weeks ago when a staff member of our church called and asked if I would officiate his funeral. Charlie was 26. And three years earlier had been diagnosed with cancer. And I know, I know that there are some of us here today that would consider ourselves younger. Young adults, young professionals, young families, and the thought of death is so, I got so much life to live. I'm going to do my own thing, and when the kids are growing up, then we'll get around to it, or maybe your kids have left the home. It's not that important anymore. I'm sure that's what Charlie thought as well. Charlie graduated from Iowa State, and he's a brilliant architect and just got his first job. A week later, he gets diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor says, I don't know, Charlie, maybe years, probably months. And that's the reality for us today. It's not just Charlie, it's all of us. I don't know how many months... I don't know how many years I have, and that's why Paul says this is of first importance. This isn't your pastor preaching to you a sermon. This is me pleading with you. What are you living for? And I'm standing up at Charlie's funeral. I'm thinking about he's 20. 26-year-olds aren't supposed to be thinking about chemotherapy. 26-year-olds are thinking about starting a family and, and finding a spouse and having kids and making memories that you can put in picture frames on your wall. Not going to the hospital once a week for three years. Not being able to walk. Going from 200 pounds to 90 pounds. It's not what's supposed to happen to a 26-year-old. And yet that's the reality of what Charlie experienced, and yet he never let it get the best of him. He never grew bitter. I, I, I stood up at the funeral. I'm looking out at like what seemed like a couple hundred of his fraternity brothers from Iowa State. All these guys that are young and hip, and we got life out ahead of us. And I said, at 26, it would have been very easy for Charlie to say, I got robbed. I got gypped. I got so much of life stolen from me. And yet he never grew bitter. He never got angry at God. And because of Charlie's faith in Jesus Christ, because he had a relationship with Jesus Christ that is going to last forever, forever. Instead, he said, I am going to live the rest of my life in light of the end of the story. When you know the end of the story, when you know your Savior and that death has been defeated and you are in a relationship with him, it changes everything. It changes the way you can live Monday morning, next week, and the rest of your years that you have left on this earth. It changes everything. And Charlie loved adventure and he went skiing just days after chemotherapy and he lived his life to the full because above his bed was his motto during his three-year battle with cancer and his motto was simply this, I choose hope. I choose hope because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Why can you and I have hope today? Because death has been defeated. Evil has been defeated. Darkness has been defeated. Terrorism has been defeated. Your sin has been defeated. Your failures, your weaknesses, your inadequacies have been defeated. And in the face of the resurrection, they fall to the floor. And all of life starts to make sense and put in perspective. It's not empty, it's not meaningless anymore. Charlie had two options in his life. There's two ways to live. It's as if everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. Everything's just random and held together by some big force in the universe. Or all of life is a miracle. And the fact that you and I woke up this morning and we have breath in our lungs and we are alive and you are sitting next to people that love you this morning is a miracle. Are you living every single day like it's a miracle? Or are you wasting the precious time that you have left? Do you know what forever looks like for you? Easter changes everything because he lives. And I could tell you more about it, but I'm going to let some of the band tell you about it and have Jed and Jill and Tiffany share with you an old, old song that some of you are going to recognize. No, this is not Bill and Gloria Gaither, but it's close. Fill in the blank. Because he lives. What's different about your life today? That's Charlie's story. What's your story? They're going to sing, and then we'll come back up and share some more, but think about that. Sit back, close your eyes if you need to, and breathe this in. Because he lives, everything changes. And life is worth a living just because he lives. Are you living with that hope today? Not just one day a year, but do you have a living hope? I love how 1 Peter says it. Let's read this together up on the screen again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is where hope comes from. That's why we can have hope today. And we talk about that a lot and and, and we talk so much at Easter about the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and that what he has defeated, sin and death. That's what we have been saved from, sin and death. And rightly so, we talk about that. But so often the sermon ends right there and we say happy Easter and go home and we forget that Easter means that you and I have been saved For something as well. Not just from, but for something. You and I have not been saved so we can say, Happy Easter, look at all of us church religious people, and we can kick up our heels and just wait for Jesus to come back someday. The people that experienced Jesus come back from the dead were set on fire by his love. And everything changed. And they were sent on a mission. To be a follower of Jesus means you are on the move. You don't stay seated in your chair. You don't come to church every week. You go and be the church. Monday through Saturday. Every single week. Not just on Sunday. And we love and we serve and we even feed those that are hungry. Reminded of what Easter looks like in a very tangible way. You heard about VBS coming. It just seems like yesterday that our last VBS ended. And I remember this night, it was a couple nights into VBS. And because of our location here in the city, we have the opportunity to provide transportation for a lot of the kids, like I mentioned, that are from difficult homes and have difficult backgrounds or maybe discipline issues and just really difficult family lives. And we bring them in and and uh, transport them down here, and they came for VBS. About the second night, we realized, you know, kids just in general are squirrely, uh, a little rambunctious, a little undisciplined at times, and yet these kids were especially undisciplined and unruly. We're like, what's going on? And then one of our teachers, one of the shepherds, noticed in her little age group of uh, seven, eight-year-old boys and girls, she noticed that after snack time, they behaved completely different. They were like different kids. And so I was running around in my crazy costume and running around, and she grabbed me and said, Pastor John, can you come over here and help us with this? And she explained to me this story. And so I remember leaning down. I was just sweaty from all the skits and songs and thinking VBS is all about the show. And then I kneeled down to I think it was about an 8-year-old boy and I said, hey, buddy, when's the last time you had something to eat? Period. Keep in mind this is at 7 o'clock at night. And he said, "Ah, oh, like yesterday noon maybe? And I came to find out that this was normal, that there would be days... 20 hour periods of time where the parents weren't in the home. And so these kids are coming to VBS starving. What does Easter mean for that boy? Because either this is going to get real, and we're not just going to talk about Easter, we're going to live Easter. We're going to be Easter people that get on mission for Jesus, and we don't just come and do the same thing and go to worship every single week and go through the motions, or we're going to start living for things that really matter. Because for that boy, what Easter means is his tummy with some food in it. And so we did something about it. And every Thursday since then, we partnered up with Freedom for Youth Ministries here in the city and we do this program here on Thursday nights called Whiz Kids. And first we feed them physically and then we feed their spirits and their souls and we tell them about Jesus and we do Bible study and then we help them with tutoring and mentoring. We provide tutors for their homework so that maybe unlike probably everybody else in their family, they will have the opportunity to graduate high school and maybe have the dream of going to college that's Easter. That's the resurrection. And it doesn't stop with the kids. That's what this Hope for the Children project is all about, if you would want to support that. It is not just the kids, it's, it's, it's adults too. It's, it's, it's the people that are starving, not just here, but all around the world. And so a month from now, a month from now, right where you're sitting, we are going to be packaging meals. This place is going to be a holy mess and it's going to be great. And we're going to package meals for over 100,000 people all over the world. 100,000 meals. What does Easter mean for the little boy at VBS? What does Easter mean for the mother with five kids that's opening up this package of food that was packaged in Des Moines, Iowa? It means that there's hope. That event's going to be called Hope for the Hungry. Are you sensing a theme? There's hope. That we don't just feed people physically, we feed them spiritually. What does that hope mean? Not just for them, you're like, that's kids, it's homeless people, it's people that are, that are starving all over the world. It's for you too. Easter means there's hope for you if you feel like a disappointment as a mom. Easter means something for you if, you if your life looks completely different than every other guy at the office because you're living for things that matter. Easter looks completely different if you have a diagnosis right now and you are longing to be healed. Easter means there's hope. The worst thing that could ever happen to us, death, has been kicked to the curb and defeated once and for all. Easter changes everything. And it starts with you. You cannot give away what you don't have. We talk about going on mission and doing all these things as a church. It starts with receiving that love in your heart and letting it overflow. You cannot teach what you don't know, you cannot give away what you don't have. So, parents, parents of kids that are young, that are growing up, that are in school, they're watching you today. They're watching you on Easter and they're saying, so mommy and daddy, is this real? are we just going to kind of do this once a year? (laughs) Is this kind of a once a year thing, we get all dressed up and grandpa and grandma come over? Or is the fact that somebody is alive change everything and that it's worth giving everything to? And even if that's for you, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling far away from God, if you're feeling disconnected, if you were once on fire for God, I'm telling you this morning, he can light the fire again. That's what this class is about, this finding your way back to God class that starts here in just a couple weeks. We would love for you to check it out, to be in community, to meet other people. It's way more than Easter. The story continues from here. He came back for you. Hope that that news never gets old to you. A couple weeks ago, as I was leaving for work, as I always do as I kiss our kids goodbye, that same bundle of joy that I held in the hospital is now a squirrely three year old. And as I always do, I kneeled down and I said, Caleb, daddy's going to go away for a little while. Eight hours, but for him it's an eternity. Daddy's gonna go away for a little while, but I'll be back. I'll be back, and he says, "Okay." You play trucks with me when we get home. You know, he gives me the whole thing there. Said Caleb, "Does Daddy always come back?" Hmm. Yeah, he says, "Daddy always comes back." And at the end of the day, I come walking back into the house and I come walking into the living room. And he's playing on the floor, being his squirrely self. And he pops up from the floor. (laughs) He pops up from the floor, looks at me, stands up, starts jumping up and down and says, You came back! You came back! Turns to Tiffany and says, Mommy, he came back! course he did. He always comes back. He came back. He came back for you because he loves you that much. Nothing between you today. No space between you, between you and your Savior, because the grave is empty. The message of Easter is very simple. There's a God who loves you. Would you let it all the way in and never forget the story?